The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Very happy to tell you that here we are Saturday and it is year number four of uh, this uh, very important program that we do on WFN every single week. Hello, my name is Craig. Joining me as always from Epic is our friend Dan Trelaro. Danny, good morning. Happy New Year to you, and thanks again for being a part of this. Hey, Happy New Year, Craig. It's always great, and I can't believe it's year four already. That's crazy. Crazy. Joining us today, uh, Zach joins us. Zach is 18 years old. He's down in Florida and is also in recovery uh, for a short amount of time, but it's doing great. Zach, good morning. How are you doing, buddy? Morning. I'm doing well. How are you guys? Doing good. So how long has it been for you? When was your last wager? So my last bet was the first week of the NFL season, uh, September 10th, 2023, and it was a night game. It was Saquon Barkley over 67.5 rush yards. Got it. And that was the the initial game against, uh, what, the Dallas Cowboys, right? Dallas. Yeah. Yep. Sunday night game. All right. So you're 18 years old, so the bet wasn't, quote, unquote, made legally. So either you had an account with uh, an adult's name on it, I guess, online, or a local a bookie or something along those lines. And we'll get to that part of the story in just a second. But for an 18-year-old, how old were you when you first remember being exposed to gambling? I remember being around 9 or 10 years old. Uh, watching NBA on TNT, and they would promote the hell out of FanDuel and DraftKings Daily Fantasy. And I remember just romanticizing it and wanting to do it so badly. And that's around the time I was exposed to Daily Fantasy. Now, there was was always that debate, is Daily Fantasy gambling, is it a game of chance versus a game of skill? But in a lot of places, it was fine to do it. You know, age wasn't an issue either. Did you jump right in and start playing Daily Fantasy, or was there some time in between being exposed to it and then trying to, to do it? So I was exposed to it, and I tried to figure out ways how I could do it, and I was able to create an account on DraftKings and FanDuel, and I played in the free contest and kind of tested the waters there. Right. And then ultimately, when I turned 11, I used my mom's ID to verify my DraftKings account and deposited with one of those Visa gift cards you get for a birthday or something. Got it. Uh, was your mom aware of it or no? Absolutely not. No. So you, you yep. stole your mom's uh, license and set up an account and nobody knew any better because you were able to fund it without attracting any attention, yeah? Exactly. So as a 10-year-old, 11-year-old, how quickly did it become all-consuming for you where it was all you thought about and uh, free time, going to school, during school, after school? How quickly yeah, did that happen? Uh, so 11 years old, I'm in fifth grade, and, you know, now we're going, you know, we got daily fantasy baseball, so now that's 1 o'clock while I'm at school. Right. And I remember around 1230, I was doing some research for a salary lineup I was doing, and my teacher walked behind me and noticed I was looking at it and totally normalized it and said he plays daily fantasy too. And just like that, we formed a great bond and I was giving him lineup advice and it was totally normalized. Right. Totally normal, but obviously Dan, not normal, but of course as an 11 year old, a 10 year old, 
you know, yeah. you didn't know that because, you know, the adult in your life, in this case, a teacher, you made it look like it wasn't that big a deal. And to be fair to that teacher, you know, back then it wasn't a very big deal to people. People didn't connect it. A lot of people <laughs> to uh, gambling at all. They viewed it as, you know, harmless entertainment. You're a sports fan. You're trying to set your lineup. No big deal. Right, Dan? Yeah, I've got to take a step back because I think a lot of listeners might have a hard time remembering back to when they were 11 and 12. And I say that because, you know, Zach, that's only seven years ago, and I'm thinking about fifth grade. But when I think about my journey with gambling, horse racing, 10, 11, 12 years old. And, like, Mm -hmm. some people might think, like, how are you sitting in fifth grade figuring out lineups and, and stats and all that stuff? When you're in fifth grade, man, the mind's curious. And, you know, that's an age where, you know, things start to work when you get to middle school. So I just want to I want to echo that because I want to make sure that the people listening understand that this is the age of vulnerability. I mean, it's starting late single digits, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. And you're highlighting it so well because daily fantasy, like in the teacher's eyes, he's like, hey, this is cool. I can bond with my fifth grade students. This is great. Well, I should also add this to it. You know, uh, you know, if you grew up when I grew up. And there was no technology. Our yeah. first foray into gambling, although we didn't know it, was flipping baseball cards. There you you go. know, risking something on the outcome of a flip, and you win or loss. So we didn't know we were gambling, but we were gambling. Then you fast forward to the next generation, and now technology is a part of it. You go to the next generation, yep. and now you can do it from your phone. You don't even need to walk into a building. So, you know, it, it has evolved. Yeah. It's just been there in different ways. That's all. Good point. Yep. Yep. All right, so Zach, so you're playing Daily Fantasy all the time. Not that big a deal. A lot of kids are doing it. It's all good. And I should mention one point. I said it's illegal to gamble. It's not. It has never been illegal to place a wager. It's been illegal to book a wager. Obviously, once you get to a certain age, which is another story for another day. Mm -hmm. Before it really became problematic and you decided you needed help or somebody recognized that you needed help, give the audience an idea of, you know, when you were 17 years old, you know, what it was like for you, gambling, fantasy, whatever it was, how it manifested itself. Walk me through an average day in your life prior to getting help. Okay, so I started placing actual sports wagers, so real sports gambling at the age of 14, and I was exposed to that um, via my bookie. I'm sure everyone's heard of that. It's like an offshore site kind of thing. And, you know, they say it's progressive illness. It completely is. You know, first bet starts at ten, fifteen dollars, and but my biggest bet ever was fifty five hundred dollars. Wow. Um, let's just say sixteen, seventeen years old. Um, there's a hundred eighty days in the school day. I missed about ninety days of school, and it was totally gambling related. Um, gambling completely consumed my life. Uh, the outcomes of my days, whether I was happy, whether I was sad, depressed, ambitious, was all based on gambling. Um, so I would start my day around 10, 11 in the morning because I would be up all night betting international games. And right away I was on the live betting, the live betting site for my bet. And um, that whole day it was all gambling related. And if I did, where were you coming up with uh, the money to do that? Were you using like your mom's credit card or how'd you access credit? I pretty crazy thing is I didn't ever steal or borrow a dime from my parents. What I did was I was a, uh, a sports handicapper and 
during quarantine, so 2020, I built a very big um, client foundation and had over 90 paying clients. And it kind of dwindled down as regular sports came back and more people got involved in the business. But I still had that outlet for money, um, as well as I had I saved up some of it and I was able to use that. But, you know, when there's a will, there's a way. Uh, I always found a way to get money to gamble. It, it was just never... Was there a point where the school sent a letter home or a call home and said, hey, Zach isn't coming to school, what's going on? I had a couple teachers call my parents and say, I was always, I was able to get good grades, but I had a couple teachers call them and, and mention that, like, the lack of attendance and or the lack of effort because it was right. totally, like, I wouldn't shut my phone or computer off when I was in their class because I was gambling. Wow. And I'm asking this question because of your age. You're 18 now. But when, you know, the average 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old likes attention and wants other people to know when they're doing something that seems cool. And that kind of goes against the way a lot of compulsive gamblers are, where the last thing you want is attention while you're gambling. As an immature, although you sound very mature, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, but as a maturing young teenager did you have your buddies in on it? Did they know you were doing it? Were you bragging about wins? Or did My you really keep to yourself? Was through the roof. It was. Um, I thought I was the best thing in town, and I wanted everybody to be aware of, of my bets, my winnings. And even when I lost, I said, well, I'm betting $3,000. That's more than you have saved up. And that, that was me. I, was, I'm, right. I know I'm not allowed to curse, but you know the, the many curse words I could use to describe myself when I was in action. Um, and because I was a handicapper, I would sell picks and I would even, I would go around school advertising it and, and telling kids I can make them money and they don't have to work their jobs anymore. And my friends, all of my, my friend group kind of started gambling because I did it and I was giving them pretty, I was pretty good when I was a handicapper and, and they were winning and I was winning, and I loved it. I, I like you I like said, the attention yeah. through the roof, and and I thought I was the best thing in town. And yeah, I, I bragged about it totally. And how are you socially? Again, I only ask this because while you were sharing it with your friends and kids in school, and you enjoyed the ego rush of being popular and being that guy. Again, the the, the majority of uh, problem gamblers, you know, try to go the other way, and they want to be alone while they're doing it. They don't want the attention. And they yeah. become kind of antisocial. Were you social or no? So let's just say, even when I was bragging and I had this group of people and people were asking me for picks, I felt alone because I, I knew this was a fake reputation, a fake fake persona I built up. And, and I never went to homecoming. I never went to prom. I didn't yeah. even go to sporting games because, yeah, I was kind of a recluse. Do not bother me because I want to sit at home and watch my game. So I... There were times, yeah, I was extremely antisocial in, in some regard, yeah, for sure. Got it. All right, so before we take a break and we'll get to, you know, how your life has changed for the better over the course of the last four months, walk me through what happened uh, September 10th when you made that last wager on Saquon Barkley's over, you know, total yards rushing from scrimmage. What happened and what led you to ask for help and recognize or admit at least what I'm sure people around you kind of figured out that you had a problem. What was the yeah, so bottom of the barrel moment? Steps, I mean, I'll take a couple steps back from that night. Um, 
May of 2022, I entered Gamblers Anonymous because I knew I had a problem. And I was very open about it with my parents. And I was abstinent for about two months. And then I went back to gambling and I totally ditched the program. And I knew I had the outlet of GA, but I never, I never returned to it. And I did a lot more damage. And I ended up going away to college um, in August of 2023. And that Thursday, so Thursday, like September 5th or 6th, before that Sunday, I ended up driving home to tell my parents everything, to tell them my gambling has gotten out of control. Um, I don't feel comfortable being away at college because gambling is, is controlling my life. And I ended up uh, staying at my, my dad's house that weekend and gambling like crazy all weekend. And I ended up entering that Sunday with about $5,000. And that Saquon bet was my last 800 and it lost. And I ended up calling my dad that night or calling my mom that night and saying, hey, can you come to dad's in the morning? I'm not going to go back to school Monday. And my parents and I talked and decided I was going to go to rehab. And that Wednesday, I, I was sent to rehab, and that's how wow. it went. So wow. what I'm trying to figure out, and I ask this question, I tell Dan all the time, you know, I think for me, my final step of recovery is answering a question I, to this day, can't answer. You had won money, you'd lost money, you dealt with the, the roller coaster as a young man, as, as a teenager, you know, of daily gambling and money on, in, in action and all that stuff. So this would have been just a normal weekend, a bad weekend, because you lost the five grand, of course, and it ended with this bad loss on the Sunday night game. But I'm trying to figure out, when you look back on it, and I know it's only four months, do you have enough clarity yet to figure out why that was the pivotal moment where you decided, I can't keep doing this? I think it was a pivotal moment because I was away at college for less than three weeks. I was already noticing I was in an extremely bad routine and bad pattern as sleeping in, missing some classes already, being antisocial. And it was kind of a wake-up call. You know, you go from being in high school to living with your parents, and it's easy. And then you go away to school, and you have to fend for yourself. And you realize you're not a functioning addict and that your life depends on gambling. And it quickly was a, a slap in the face. And when I realized, Wow, like, wow, I have to surrender and, and totally give my life to GA or, or I, I can't live a normal life. It was, and it's time. I can't get back this time. And I didn't want to waste a semester away or worse things happen. And, and that's kind of when I got the clarity and made the decision. Dan, I would say this before we take the break. Zach, for 18-year-old, for being an 18-year-old kid, your self-awareness is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it takes people year, decades to come up with that level of self-awareness and the ability to articulate it uh, is frankly astonishing in a good way. Um, you know, and I think you're very lucky. I don't think the average, you know, 17 or 18 year old has the maturity to really look in the mirror and diagnose, self-diagnose, you know, what's going on. So more power to you and you know, your mom and dad, you, I think you're very lucky also. You, know, you didn't borrow lucky. money. Been you didn't blessed. get in a bad place yeah. financially. Um, and you made a decision to improve your life before your life got to a place where, you know, you did real damage to it. So let's take a quick break there and we'll continue on and see what recovery has been like for Zach. This is Hello, My Name is Craig. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. 
Welcome back to Hello, my name is Craig. A happy New Year, of course, everybody. Dan Chilaro, Epic Global Solutions. And joining us from Florida, 18-year-old Zachary, who's been in recovery for four months now. So, Zach, I wonder this. The first time you went to GA, it lasted for about two months. And then by your own admission, you started gambling even more out of control before you decided enough was enough. Why has it worked this this uh, time through for you? Um, why do I think it's worked better than last time is I've become willing and I've become more knowledgeable. And also, I, I just don't want to waste and lose any more time. Uh, when I first entered GA, it was the summer before my senior year of high school. And I only went to a meeting a week. And I didn't start working the steps. I didn't have a sponsor. And, you know, quickly things fell off the rails. My relapse date was September 1st, 2022, Pitt versus West Virginia. I'm a diehard Pitt Panther fan. My dad went there, and I had big money on their money line. And My ever, daughter goes there now. Since that bet, it was, uh, it was downhill. And why do I think – I think I'm more willing this time because I realize I can't, I can't live while I'm gambling. I can't gamble and live a normal life. And when I – I went to GA the first time I started gambling again. I was able to be somewhat of a functioning addict. And now that, you know, I'm, I'm away at going back to college, I, I can't gamble and live a normal functioning life. And I realize that. And the last four months, have they been awesome and amazing? Or have you found yourself, you know, longing for whatever gambling provided you, whether it was the action, whether it was the ego rush, how do you find yourself now four, four months in, doing well? So day 114, and I, ca I can't put into words the feeling of, 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 of awesomeness, of joyfulness, of serenity, of peace of mind. I can use every positive adjective to describe my life today. Um, it's not a roller coaster anymore. It's not waking up and figuring out how I'm going to find ways to gamble. It, it's not stressing about Chinese basketball at four in the morning or, or sleeping into 1 p.m. and having my parents freak out and worried. It's this, the life is, is a total 180. And um, I couldn't be any more happy, honestly. Did you ever consider replacing one vice with another? In other words, when you were gambling, did you drink? Did you get high? Did you do any of that stuff like those comorbid kind of addictions or addictive behavior or was it strictly gambling? So when I was gambling, it, it was just strictly gambling because I never went out with my friends when they drank. I, I, like I said, all I wanted to do was, was be a recluse and gamble. And, you know, of course, if my friends were all getting together to watch a UFC card, yeah, I would watch with them because I would gamble. But, right. no, I never – I really never drank maybe once a month socially. But um, other yeah. – no. Yeah. And the thing that gets me, which I can relate to, I've told the story many times, the speeches I've given, because you know, I once made a wager on a Tijuana dog race. And I swear to you, I don't even know if the dogs were there, existed, or if they just invented <laughs> it. And wherever the money was, they, you know, they went against it. But, you know, I think your story is also a valuable lesson I try to preach to people. You know, yeah. it's one thing to make what you think is an educated wager. And even yeah. with that, it's very hard to win on a regular basis. It's mm -hmm. another thing when you're now wagering on everything and anything. Like you said, you know, Chinese professional basketball, 
I'm sure yeah. you could name a guy on any team. So now yeah. you're wagering just a wager. And Dan you just want action no matter what. You right. crave action. And my concern, and one of the things Dan and I talk a lot about, because Dan's on college campuses, not that that's unique just to younger adults or immature adults, is that I'm sure it happens a lot, though, with people who are immature or of a certain age where you get addicted to the action, and now it's give me anything to bet on. I got to bet on something. And then you start making wagers on something you know very little about. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And what what we see, in, and, you know, Zach, thank you so much for, for sharing today. And, and I echo Craig's comments, too, about being really self-aware and, and really great insight. You know, it, it, it's that ego thing, right? You're 18 to 22 on a college campus, and, and you've just got this random winner that no one's ever heard of before. And you want <laughs> you crave that attention at times, and it feels good. But it's that action, right? Because at the end of the day, a person with a gambling-related problem it has an emotional issue. There's stuff going on in, in your life that you don't know how to deal with and your brain's still developing. And gambling can be an escape. It could be an action source. It could be an ego boost. It can enhance your mood or your reputation. It serves mm-hmm. so many functions, at least perceived, and it just feels good. And who doesn't want to feel good? And, right. you know, we, yeah. we medicate a lot of our issues away. And gambling is one of those ways that we're seeing more and more, especially with the online wagering, Craig, that rapid reinforcement. Like in-play betting every 15, 20 seconds. Oh, my God. Zach, let me ask you this. Um, You know, you're of an age, and you said you're going back to college, which is awesome. Uh, You're going to be surrounded by it, whether it's the college you're going to, if there's games on campus or what have you, or just the the nature of being an 18-year-old man, and you're going to be surrounded by kids who are gambling. What's the plan to be in that world and let them know, I don't mind you guys doing it, but I can't participate. So, you know, in GA, one of the main things is don't associate with acquaintances who gamble. And I do have a few friends who gamble, and I have been. I don't want to truly say exposed to it since I've been home, but my friends do gamble, and, and I've been around them during games so far where they've gambled. Um, I don't want to go overboard you know i'm not going to enter a casino and sit there and tempt myself but if i happen to be watching a game and a kid happens to have a bet on it you know good for him just like if a kid if if a kid happens to have a drink good for him and um what i i will i do have a plan i do have a routine um i want to start getting to two meetings a week i'm gonna i'm planning on attending a ucf up in orlando and they have meetings there and as well as zoom meetings and just being involved and keep making GA the main thing in my life so that the temptation, the urges, the cravings aren't there. And let me wrap it up with this. There's a lot of people listening right now who are you know, on the edge of their seat listening to an 18-year-old kid you know, describe emotions and feelings and gambling experiences in, in the manner you have, which I think is great. And there's a lot of people also listening that are back at step one where you were you know, about four or five months ago. And for those people who haven't yet realized that they have a problem or they know they have a problem, but they don't know how to take that first step. And, man, they can't imagine life without betting on something. What advice would you give those people who are your age or a little bit older even? You know, what advice would you give them about your journey and how they can you know, take the same steps you've taken to try to get help? Yeah, it's a... Uh... It's a miracle that I haven't placed a bet in the last 114 days. And I say that because I was somebody who couldn't go 10 minutes without a bet. 
um, I had to fall asleep with the bet and I had to wake up with the bet. And I was, I was as compulsive, as powerless, as addictive, addictive as it gets. And I will say this, if you're a true compulsive gambler and it's a weird, it's weird to say this, but I feel like you have to be, you have to be willing and you have to be just at your wits end. You have to be totally defeated and, and admit you're powerless and admit gambling defeated you. You have, you can't half want it. Like you have to be so unhappy with your life that making a change is just, is, is inevitable. And, um, that's what, what I would say is if you're so fed up and, and, you just hate how your life is. You you gotta you gotta make the change. You gotta be willing. Open well, mind. Look, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. I wish you the very best luck. I'm proud of you that you've made it. You know these last four and a half months, and fingers crossed, you continue to live. You know this life of recovery, and I do think your story resonates. And I hope that part of your recovery will also be continuing to talk about your story because it's very very relatable. And uh, I'm proud of you, and I hope you continue doing it. And I appreciate you coming on today. Thanks so much. Thank you guys so much for having me. Great experience. Wow, great start to uh, year four, Dan. And I appreciate you getting uh, Zach on. I wish I had that kind of composure and understanding of my own feelings when I was 18. I didn't even have it when I was 50. Uh, So to hear a young man talk about, you know, and, and understand and recognize his own character flaws and want to do something about it, is a real testament to that kid. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, 18 years old, a critical time, brain still developing. And for him to kind of say, hey, listen, I know I still have friends that gamble. You know, I, my hope will be that he doesn't put himself in, in harm's way and temptation's way. And he stays connected to those people that are in his life that are really helping. And, Craig, he said something. He always asked the question. You know, you're, it, it's like a lifelong search of why do we get to that point where it's not just another weekend loss, but it's a pivotal moment. And again, he got he got to the part where his body adapted so much to the change, but he could no longer keep up with the changing anymore. He got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah, you know that's what he said at the end. Because and it's a different point for everybody. You know, it, I, I man, I tell you that was he was oh boy. I, we have kids, Craig. You know, at the end of the day, we have kids that are his age. Yeah, and the thing you know? that resonates also is. You know, when you're gambling at the level I gambled that, you gambled that, and even Zach gambled that, you know, you do miss out on life because you're not present because your mind, emotionally, physically, the whole thing, it's about gambling. It's about money. It's about the next bet you're going to make, where you're going to make it, how you're going to make it. And there was, for me, you know, an 18-month period, maybe a little less than that, where I could tell you I missed out on life. And I was there. I was present physically. And I got to do cool things and you know, uh, you have these experiences, but none of them meant anything to me, unfortunately. And when I look back on, you know, 2016 through 2017, or a good portion of it, you know, it's the gambling I remember and not life. And, you know, that bothers me because I missed out on so many great moments in my kids' lives and my family's life. And even, you know, successes I was fortunate enough, which I should have enjoyed that I didn't really get to enjoy properly because my whole focus was gambling. So I regret those years, but I'm blessed to have these years and moving forward all these years now, which is a big part of why my recovery is stuck. So all good. Great start to year number four. We'll do it again next week. Always appreciate you, Dan. And I look forward to having everybody back. Joe Beningo's next. Thank you for listening to Hello, My Name is Craig on WFAN.